now all of a sudden you're having to pay 200,000 more dollars per year that inversely diminishes the net operating income. Now the purchase price is less because the property generates less income because of interest rates. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm your host, Travis Watson. In today's episode, I want to give you guys just a quick Q1 2022 market update. Not sure when this episode is going to air, but I just want to talk about a few things that have been on my mind. As you guys know, I do a lot of research, listen to a lot of different podcasts and webinars. I talk to a lot of my own mentors and always listening to economists. And I just want to share some of the highlights of things on my mind as an investor, mostly in the multifamily space, looking forward this year and developments that are happening. I received a question the other day, and it was something to the effect of, will multifamily perform well in 2022? And we have to remember that all real estate is local. So it doesn't mean that you can arbitrarily go throw a dart out there and buy a piece of multifamily and then say, sure, yeah, multifamily is going to do great this year. It depends. And in fact, Moody's Analytics, they put together a really nice visual on some data I was looking at. And we have to remember that 
there are some markets that are actually projected to go down in 2022 as far as the price of real estate, while others are still anticipating some cases a double digit return on appreciation of real estate. A couple of the markets that they alluded to would be Detroit, Milwaukee, and Baltimore as far as decrease in both population and price of real estate, while other markets such as Atlanta, Charlotte, Phoenix, and Las Vegas are still on a nice uptrend. Also, pay attention, please, to the politics that are happening. I've talked a lot about landlord-tenant laws, and what I'm looking for as an investor is that the laws favor the landlord. I was just speaking with an investor the other day who owns a rental property in California, and he was telling me because of rent restrictions or what we call rent control, he can't raise his rent on this property more than $54 per month. At the same time, his property tax has gone up more than $54 per month. So in other words, he's locked into this investment that is slowly losing money, which is pretty crazy. Maybe not so much on the price appreciation, time will tell that, but at least from a cash flow perspective, he's on a downtrend. So we've also seen this in the news. Markets like St. Paul has also implemented rent control. So I try not to invest in areas like this. It can really limit your potential returns just from an obvious perspective, but it's actually not a good thing in my opinion, just economically. But that's for another discussion. So we'll leave it at choose your markets wisely, do your homework, do your due diligence. And if you want to dive deeper, we recorded an actively passive show episode back in 2020. I think it released around December and it's called How a Passive Investor Vets a Market. So check that out if you'd like some more info on it. On a side note here, single family homes are, as we all know, getting more and more unaffordable for those who were just about to take the leap into home ownership or trying to save at their job to get a down payment put together. When we're seeing, I think it was like 15% price appreciation in 2021, it makes it awful hard to save and keep up and simultaneously while you have 7% inflation happening. So I've been listening to what a lot of the gurus have to say, which I do not include myself in this category because I'm just a guy who does a lot of research, tries to extract what I feel are the best and most critical, important components to that and share it with you guys in a simplified manner. So I'm not the guru myself, but I am one to listen in to different sides of the coin and try to figure out what's going on. I've heard a lot of people speak out about this unaffordability crisis, which, quite frankly, we've had for a long time in this country, but has progressively gotten worse in the last 12 months or so. Some people think that the government's going to have to intervene, step in and expand things like the Section 8 housing program or launch a similar program, which is basically rental assistance for people to be able to afford their rent here in this country. The other thing that's been on the proposal table, at least I think it was the Biden administration, some kind of first-time homebuyer tax credit where maybe you'd get $14,000 or up to that amount off the purchase price or down payment of your first home. But it may be not so great, too. If you think about it, back in the Bush administration gave out these first-time homebuyer credits through, I think maybe that was the Obama administration, but I was actually part of this, by the way. I bought my first property with a first-time government tax credit. Well, that brought people out of rentals and into owning homes. So it, it may or may not be good, depending on financially speaking anyway, depending on what happens. 
All right. So moving on, I want to dive in a little more to inflation. I know I've talked about it a lot on the show recently, but I just want to highlight some new things that I haven't talked about before. We have talked about that inflation is running approximately around 7%. And these are government CPI numbers. So this is not a conspiracy website saying it's higher than what the Fed says. This is real government data, which depending on your beliefs there, it might be much higher than seven, but they're saying around seven. So let's roll with that. 2021, a lot of what my personal investing portfolio saw were about 10% rent bumps on these multifamily properties that I invest in, which is just outrageous. Certainly not the norm. Most of my portfolio is in the Sun Belt region. So we've got some Texas and Florida and even some other markets in Colorado Springs. I've got some deals and out in Ohio, I've got some deals. But in general, all these markets perform very well. And an average rent tick up might be somewhere around 3% a year and we're, we're seeing 10%. So that kind of fast forwards the acceleration of the business model about three years. So what that meant is that a lot of sales happened. It was just time from a GP perspective to go ahead and offload the property as we met or exceeded our initial projections. And I was reading that there were 10 markets in the US, and I don't have them here in front of me right now, that actually went up 20% annualized year over year rent growth, which is just astronomical. It blows my mind. Now, obviously, the name of the game is to not just bump rents on people, but they have to be able to afford these rents. And in a perfect world, the wages would be going up at the same pace that we're bumping rents so that no one's having a more difficult time affording a place to live. And to that point, fortunately, we are seeing wage increases happen, in some cases higher than inflation numbers, in other cases not so much, but still happening. I think we've all seen the billboards and the signs now hiring or $1,000 sign-on bonus to go work at a fast food joint. I saw in my market $18 an hour to work in a grocery store. You guys, not too long ago, one of my first W-2 jobs, I was making, gosh, $7.25 an hour. Are you kidding me? I would have killed for a grocery store gig at 18 an hour. That would have just made my dreams come true back then. So crazy what we're seeing in today's world. So the pros of inflation, I know that's some good news and some bad news there, but in terms of real estate, the pros of inflation is that multifamily apartments are primarily driven off the net operating income. You've got expenses and you have income. So kind of plus and then minus equals net operating income. So when you're seeing seven, eight, nine, 10% in some markets, 20% rent increases, that is absolutely incredible for net operating income because if you have a 400 unit property and you're able to raise rents 10% per unit times 400, you literally just made millions of dollars on that property as far as the valuation is concerned. So very bullish for multifamily cash flow, what's distributable to investors, but also IRR numbers and equity. Another thing to think about is that rent trails behind the prices of real estate. So in other words, if real estate just goes up today, we'll say in a hypothetical example, it goes up 10% and now I purchase a property 10% higher than it was a month ago, well, now I have to bump the rents in order to make the numbers work. So that rent bump, though, is going to be behind. I make the purchase, I do my renovations and all my stuff, and then several months behind, now comes the rent bumps. And I may not do it all at once. I may trickle it in over time, so it's not such a sticker shock. So the point is, 
The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, is comprised about 30% of housing, and it's not being reflected just yet in those CPI numbers. So I still think we have some tailwinds here. I still think that we have some room to grow. And I think that inflation is here to stay at least for the, we'll call it the intermediate term. In other words, I don't think next month we're going to see this massive drop off from seven to two or what the Fed likes to say that their target's 2% by the end of the year. Again, we'll see. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but I do know that things are lagging behind as far as data. And as we catch up, I think we'll see a true reflection of what's happening here today. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe. J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So the bottom line is that real estate is a hard asset. It's an inflation hedge. And the reason that is, is when you're buying real estate, whether you're talking about a single family home or an apartment building, you're basically buying or investing in a basket of commodities. Think about it. You've got steel, glass, lumber, copper, and tile. So if these individual items are going up in price in the real world, if you go to Home Depot and you're seeing the price is higher, then the price of real Real estate's going higher because essentially that's what you're buying. And the reason I love real estate is that it always holds an intrinsic value. A piece of real estate doesn't just disappear like a blip on a radar on a digital screen. It's a physical place that can be used for different purposes. And if nothing else, if it burns to the ground, hopefully you have insurance. And even if that doesn't happen, well, at least you have the plot of land and something could hopefully be used on that plot of land. So there's always some kind of value to it. 
All right, switching gears, let's talk about interest rates a little bit. So the big talk right now is that the Fed says, hey, we're likely increasing rates and it's on the nearby future and they're going to stop the Fed taper. In other words, they're not going to be buying $120 billion worth of bonds. So let's talk about how that might affect real estate. Well, first of all, a lot of people, as I've been talking about for years now, are chasing yield. Cash flow has gotten a lot more difficult in modern times to get. I was listening to Tony Robbins, one of his older 1998 Get the Edge series. It's like a seven disc CD series of motivational stuff. And one of those discs is on financial. And I <laughs> I just had to laugh because he said, money's simple. You can just put your money in the bank collect 8% on it, going through this whole strategy about 8% yield in the bank. And there was a time where that was true, but that is not true in today's world. And it's unfortunate because we have so many baby boomers retiring and so many pension funds that just really need to get yield. They need cash flow and it's tough to find and prices have been bid up and the stimulus has just made things really difficult. So what you're seeing right now is a couple different things. Because when you put your money in the bank, you're basically getting nothing on that money, essentially almost 0%, maybe 1%. And coupled with that, you're seeing about a 7% inflation rate. People are trying to get out of cash. They don't want to be in cash because your purchasing power, if inflation's 7%, your purchasing power is dropping by 7% a year as you keep cash in the bank. So who wants that? Nobody. So where do you put it? Well, you put it into the stock market and you put it into real estate. Hence why we saw a 28% stock market increase last year and 15% in real estate, something to that effect. It's just been crazy. On top of that, we have a severe supply-demand imbalance. And what that means is we have a lack of supply of affordable housing and multifamily and single-family all in the United States. This is nothing new. It's been happening for 15, 20 years but here's some crazy facts to think about. In 2021, there was about 285,000 new livable units or households that were made available. That sounds like great news. The problem is we had 1.4 million new households looking for a place to live. That is a massive supply and demand shortage. And if you want to look at the big macro level, we're 6.8 million homes behind in general and good luck delivering that amount of homes in a timely manner. It's going to take years and years. So because of this supply and demand imbalance, that is one reason why we've seen prices shoot up the way that they have. All right, so let's now talk about the cons of interest rates rising. So generally speaking, when interest rates rise, the price of real estate decreases. Again, generally, typically, historically. Why would that be? Well, first, we'll use single-family home as an example. Well, first of all, with a single family home, if interest rates go up, your mortgage costs more, so it becomes more expensive to own a home. Simple as that. So the affordability becomes less or the purchase price has to come down so people can meet in the middle on what payment they can afford per month. Multifamily, for example, gets accelerated on even a larger scale. So if you think about multifamily unit going from 3% to 4% interest rate, and now all of a sudden you're having to pay $200,000 more per year, that inversely diminishes the net operating income. Now the purchase price is less because the property generates less income because of interest rates. 
So before this episode, I went on Google and I brought up a mortgage calculator and I just want to do this for fun, for my own amusement, but it's worth sharing. So if you took a $300,000 home today in 2022, you put 20% down and you went to the bank and financed it, your mortgage payment's going to be somewhere in the ballpark of about $1,012. Obviously, a lot of variables with insurance and property tax and all the rest, but just hear me out on this example, $1,012. So now let's say that the Fed comes out and says, hey, we're bumping interest rates up. Now that mortgage rate went from 3% all the way up to 4%, which would be a, a pretty sizable, substantial move up. Now that same mortgage payment is $1,146. So that's $134 change up. So my question to you in regard to how will real estate be affected or will real estate start to fall in price as interest rates go up is this. Knowing that rent is on the rise, has been, is today, will continue to be more than likely, will $134 deter someone from buying a home? Definitely something to think about with the amount of money chasing yield, people trying to get out of cash, inflation on the rise, and at the same time, the Fed saying that we're going to incrementally be raising rates. It's a great question, and quite frankly, I don't have the answer, but I want to pose that as a question for you to answer for yourself. Are you still bullish on real estate, knowing what's going on with supply and demand and all the rest? Another way to think of it is if you're a renter today paying $1,200 a month in rent, which is pretty much on the low end these days, and your rent went up 10%, that's $120 per month. So almost the same numbers there. And now whether that happens in one year or two years, we don't know. But the point is, if you bought a home and locked in a mortgage, that payment doesn't really change. You're locking in hopefully a 30-year fixed rate or something like that. So I don't know what the government's going to do. I don't know what renters are going to do. I don't know what homeowners are going to do. But what are you going to do? That's what matters. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode on the Actively Passive Show. I'm your host, Travis Watts. Have a best ever week, and we'll see you next time.